Welcome to Kingdom Light Church. We believe this message by Sean Basson will find entrance in your heart and impact in your life in a supernatural way. For more information, please visit our website, Instagram account, and Facebook page. Really just like in the last couple of weeks, we've been getting into this book, into this letter that Paul writes here to the church in Ephesus. And if you want to find out where in Scripture Paul went to Ephesus is in Acts chapter 19, where he goes and um, plants the church. He's there. Massive move of God happens. And he writes then to, these, to this church um, in this letter that we find within the Word of God. And just as I want to explain something here is that when Paul writes this, he's not writing to you. He didn't go sit there and be like, oh, 2020, I'm going to send a letter. I'm going to write something down so that you can get this. No, he's writing to the church, to them. But the Spirit is writing to you. The Spirit knows that you're going to be reading this, and it's going to be eternal words. It is profound eternal words that goes beyond generation to generation. And if God does not return in our generation, we do not see the fullness of God's glory in our generation, the next generation will be reading this and still find truth in it because it's from the Spirit. I want to just say this. I find sometimes people say, yeah, no, I'm not the reading type. I don't like to read. So I'm struggling to read the Bible. Then you are struggling to, to live. Because it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the words I'm reading is life. It's very life to me. So as much as you like to eat, you need to eat. When I find some stuff in my life's not always together, I, I was like, oh, it's probably because my diet's wrong. Come on, if it's that way in the natural, it's that way in the spirit. If you find that some of the stuff in your life, you've been eating the wrong stuff. I've been eating too much fake news. I've been eating too much other stuff that's getting my, my spirit clogged up. And I've got to be reading the Word because that's the only thing that's a good diet. It's a diet that is balanced. It's a diet that is filled with life. And every time I read it, it comes alive to me because the Spirit inspired it. So when Paul writes it, he's writing to Ephesus. But when the Spirit writes it, it writes beyond. When you are sowing here, you're not just sowing to the natural you're sowing to the Spirit. And from the Spirit, you reap, reap the reward. Not just now, but forever. So when I use the words, it might be truth. It left my hand in the natural, but in my life, it's a constant based on anything else, but in the Spirit, that I trust God more than I trust anything else. That's why I put Him first. Whether I see it or not, I put Him first. It's a basic principle. And when we start living that way, we're going to start seeing things operate in a way we've never seen before. So in the context of this scripture, this is Paul speaking to the church about something that they need to get to set them free. Something they need to understand that's going to make them grow. And the, the book's basically in two parts on the book, this letter. The first part is the establishing of who you are in Christ. The second part is how to live it out. It's a profound book in the context of books, the Bible. But the letter that he's writing here is truth. 
Now, I've asked this question many times, and years ago, Dave started talking about this when he said being intentional, and he started using this word more and more and more, and it's become kind of part of what we talk about as, as pastors and leaders and in this church is, I'm intentional. I'm intentional about being here. And I want to just quickly say this, talking about eternal and life, is the crazy thing is that you think you made the decision to come to church today. When God decided to get you here because he had a word for you. The crazy thing is you think that by accident you switched on to KLC just by clicking on this right now and you're watching me live. No, God wants you to hear a word right now because God's got something for you. The eternal of what that is. God chose you way before the foundation of earth. We're going to get into that now. So the context is he calls you, he brings you, and we look at being born again in uh, John chapter 3, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, how does he operate with Nicodemus? He says to Nicodemus, you've got to get born again. Nicodemus says, my man, I'm a full-grown man. How is that possible to go back into my mother's womb? That is no chance. And God said, and Jesus said, to him, you missed it. Because you're looking at it naturally. You're trying to define something that is supernatural, that's outside of the box, and you're trying to put it in. And Nicodemus struggled with that, and he said, if you don't even understand this very simple principle, how will you understand the great things that I want to reveal? The very context is, you get born again by a simple thing called belief. Wow. The day you got born again, think about that day, the day you got saved, the day you gave your life to Jesus. Did you have all your ducks in a row? Did you have everything sorted out? No. I know I use this illustration a lot, but some of you didn't even own ducks. You all got hamsters. You're in this crazy world. Everything's crazy, chaos and upside down. You get saved only by the... You didn't have went through a course or did anything else. All you did is in that moment you saw Jesus, you believed it, and you said, Lord, I give my life to you. I believe. Shoo! Brand new being. In Christ. Born into the Spirit. Just like that. You didn't do anything but believe. What's the context of the rest of it? Belief. What are we called? Believers. We're believers in Christ. So from the very context of it, Paul then writes in Galatians 3 when he says to them, he says, who bewitched you that you think that when you started in the spirit, you will perfect this in the flesh? It's all by belief. It's all believing what he has done. Now, I said we start with 6, but let's go to Ephesians 1 first. And we're going to read there. Verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Where's the blessing? In Christ. Where's the power? In Christ. Um, it says... Just as He chose us whoo, in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be what? Holy and without blame before Him in love. How, how did God, what did He choose? God chose before all of this started to have you stand before Him in love, holy and blameless. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the truth of what Paul says to him. God says, I chose you. You, 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 and you, and you. Sound like Oprah. You're going to have one. You're going to have. He chose you. 
to be holy and blameless by choice. Whose choice? His choice. In love, not, what does he say? If it was just holy and blameless in his sight, then there would be no, just like a, a clinical decision. No, it's a love decision. He chose you to be holy and blameless before him in love. So the context of this is that it's his choice that he chose before it all started that he would see Sean Besson in 2020 having a moment in a day where you wake up and you go like, Oh Lord, why have you forsaken me? And he still chose you. He, he, saw, he saw Sean driving down the road being cut off and going, ah, beep, 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 and still chose to love me. He saw Sean disbelieving. He saw Sean messing up. He saw Sean going through all his stuff and still said, I love you and I'm willing to pay a price for you. Forever. Holy and blameless in his sight. Forever by birth that you were chosen to be birthed into a kingdom. Not by my doing, knocking on the door saying, can I be peace part of this kingdom? Can I join it? Oh, you can join it if you have the right outfit, if you have the right idea, you're from the right family, you have all your ducks in a row. No, all of it was based on the very context of him choosing you. Now, he says this in the beginning of Ephesians to establish something that he was going through. Okay, so listen to this. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. No, no, okay, wait, wait. He just said, yeah, He chose us to be adopted into Christ, to be part of it by His good pleasure. God had pleasure in deciding you. He had pleasure. He went like, yes, I choose you. No, wait, wait, wait. I remember a friend of mine years ago adopted a, a little girl, and he came from a, a very racist background. So when he adopted this little black girl, it was very difficult for his family to accept it because they were very racist. So when they, the family found out about this, the father was very upset, and they had gone through the whole process, and him and his wife decided that, listen, they already had kids, so they adopted this child afterwards, and this little girl, and um, the dad was very upset with them. He said, no, you, you cannot do that, and he had all these different racist, religious reasons why, <laughs> but God had a different plan. You see, you can be that way until a moment, but if you have God in your life, God will sort you out. God will get that sorted. Now, you're going to go where I'm going with this. is that through the process, there gets to a day when God touches this grandfather's heart. As he's, the, the dad leaves and he says, you need to uh, make sure she's bathed and done. And so the grandfather's like, what am I doing? And he was so against this whole process. And he's busy with that. And God starts working. And as he's dressing her, the power of God hits him. He picks her up. He puts her on the bed. He looks and says, what was I thinking? I was crazy. I love you. I choose you. You are mine. You are mine. He looks at this little girl and his whole world turns upside down. He says, I choose you. 
Yes, little girl, I had all these things, but I choose you. And he realized because God said, I chose you. You didn't, you didn't come with some nice idea. I chose you. You don't think you can work it up? No, I chose you. We think we chose God. No, we just believed his choice. That's why your salvation is so fixed. That he chose you to be holy and blameless in his sight. He says, blameless. It's like, whoo. You know, yeah, let's just think about this for a moment. I see there's a little bit of a few kids around here, so children. Uh, none, of the, none of the children had a choice in their birth, right? Actually, none of us had a choice in our birth. Our parents decided, and we just popped out. Excuse that word. <laughs> we were birthed. We took the breath on their choice. God and Jesus decided that we will give life unto others. I came that you might have life and life. They made the decision so that you can just receive it. But many people get to it and never take it. They decided you've got to believe it. That's it. He establishes this truth in it. Um, verse, verse 10 says, yeah, um, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which is in heaven and which is on earth in him. In him all were ordained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Wow. That's a stake in a hole. If you just meditate, according to whose will? His will. To whose counsel? His counsel. All things were predestined for you that He decided. He made the decision. He called you. He calls you blameless. You go through ups and downs. All He says is, I love you. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, He has gifts. Calls them prophet, teachers, apostles, evangelists. And what was the other one? Pastors and pastors. They're gifts to the church. To do what? To mature you. The whole goal of this church and what we preach about, what we talk about, when we talk about Ephesians chapter 4, is in everything we do, whether we're from children's church, whether we're volunteers, whether we're preaching, whatever we do, we're trying to equip you for your ministry. It's a gift to the body so that you can be equipped. And every aspect is maturity. No parent wants their child to be in diapers forever. No parent. I've heard so many children of so many parents say, you know how great it is? Like asking, do you want another child? No. It's great to have these children at this age. We can actually have a conversation now. They can take care of themselves. You know, so many times I've prayed for Nathaniel during to have another baby, but they don't want to go for that. <laughs> I said, the children is big now. So they can take care of themselves a little bit better. We can leave them at home a little bit. They don't want to go through the process again. Why? Because maturity is starting to happen. Father God looks at you and says, I want to mature you. I want you to grow up that you don't come to me just to get a fish every day, but you're starting to live from me. You're not just living towards me, you're living from me. So when Ephesians 4, he talks about maturity, that's the very context of what we're trying to do or where we're aiming at is to get you mature. So you operate from a different place. Immaturity is this very thing. When you take a child and they say, Mommy, I want that lucky packet. Do they even have lucky packets now? No. I don't. <laughs> Mommy, I want that chocolate. I want that game. I want that 
because I wanted to say BMX, but no child has a BMX anymore. They play BMX games. But anyway, the context of that is, I want that. And you say, no. And they go, you don't love me anymore. You hate me. You don't love me. You've been down that road? You've heard that before? Maybe not your children. It's the neighbors, right? The context is immaturity looks at the gift and defines relationship based on what they could or could not have. Maturity understands I love you and I've got a bigger purpose for you. Though you might need to give this up right now, somewhere along the line, you're going to get something better. Oh, yo, yo. That's maturity. Maturity isn't based on what God's doing right now. Maturity is based on what's God doing forever. Abraham did not see the promise that God gave him, but looked beyond it when he looked at the stars and the sand. And he saw Isaac. And when he looked at Isaac, he realized God was going to do it in Isaac, and he would not see the fullness of it, but he knew his son and the generations beyond would do that. That is faith. I was trying to contain myself here. This book is amazing. This book is full of what God has for us. And he decides, he says, okay, I want to mature you. I want to grow you. But in Ephesians chapter 2, let's quickly read these two. I'm going to jump to the one. It says here, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy. He's what? Rich in what? Mercy. He's rich in mercy because of his great love. Which he loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with who Christ. By grace has given, uh, have been saved. By grace have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where are we seated? In Christ Jesus. In heavenly places. The seated position is a place of rest. It's when, when we see that when God finished creating everything, He sat down. When Jesus is raised from the dead, He moves, He sits on the, he sits on the right hand of the Father. We're in a seated position. You get that? Stay with me. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. We all know the scripture because it talks about the armor of God. Now, verse 10 of chapter 6 says, Finally, my brethren. Oh, finally. It's like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And when I was the uncle, I said, finally. We've reached the destination. This is what I was trying to get you to. But what I said, everything in the... Now, there's so many sermons in this book. That, like, in, when I got to the first service, I was talking about, like, oh, my word, I'm never going to finish because there's so much in this thing. But I want you to get a piece because we're going to be talking about this as we go forward. When he gets to six, he's laid a foundation for them to, to stand on. Because what he says here in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong... In Absa and the dollar. Exactly, Robert. No, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Whose strength is it? 
His strength. Whose power is it? His power. Finally, my brethren, if you understood what I just told you, you will get to the place where you will realize, finally, it's in His power. Finally, it's in His strength. That's where it lies. It's not in my ability. It's because I've tried it. I've tried to keep it. I've tried to be good. I've tried all that stuff. And I fail misery. I've tried to fight and stand on the Word and do everything right. And I mess it up. But when I understand His position and how great He is, then everything else changes. It's His strength. It's His ability. Not mine. Mine fails. But from His strength, hmm, it looks different when we look at this here. It looks different as we go forward because it's on His strength and His ability. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, what's there? Stand against the vials of the devil. Now just before we get to the stand part, does he say maybe the devil will attack you or maybe things will happen? No, he says, I'm going to give you something because the devil's going to attack you. The enemy is going to come against you. But I'm going to give you something that you can stand in and you can know what it is. But everything I shared up to this very scripture was to get you to understand who he is and who you are in. The Bible says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. My understanding is his ability. Not my ability. It's His power, not my power. That's why I can stand on that. Because of what He's done. Now He says, put on the full armor. And I want to just throw this in. The armor isn't put on every morning. The armor is who you are. It's your position. You are in Christ. Didn't we just read in the beginning of this? You are seated in heavenly places. Oh, oh, oh. So the first part, He explains how you are seated. So that at the end, He can understand... That you stand. First part, I am seated in heavenly places. Verse chapter 6, finally brethren, I am strong in his might. Oh, you're getting it. First part, I'm seated in Christ. What he has done, his ability, he chose me, he desired me, I'm his workmanship. Second part, now I can stand in the power of his might. I can stand in what he's done. I can offer, I'm seated in heavenly places. But when the enemy comes in, I can stand. Excuse me? Hello? First part, I'm seated. I'm in rest. Second part, I can stand. I don't have to fight. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. But position yourself. You know, as a kid, we used to go to the Kruger Park almost every holiday. Like one of us said, Dad, we need to go to the beach now. But it was wonderful holidays. I miss it right now. Like, I wish I could go to the Kruger Park right now. It's just so beautiful out in nature. But one thing he taught us as kids is when you drive and you're looking for game, don't look at the bush in front of you or the, the, the vegetation. Look through. You've got to look deeper. You've got to position yourself. Oh, you're getting something. You've got to position yourself. You know, when you can't see something, what do you do? Somebody sits down, you're like, in many of these shows, you know, people find it. They tell, don't bring an umbrella or a big hat. And what do they do? They come sit right in front of you, pop up the umbrella. You want to see Michael Bublé? 
I don't know. Celine Dion, whoever artist you like. Nathaniel Aquino, he's like, they sit right in front of you, massive umbrella. What do you do? You don't keep sitting there. You position yourself. Oh, man, you've got to get this this morning. You position yourself. Enemy comes in, he puts something right in front of you that causes offense. What do you do? You position yourself. Enemy comes in and says, God is not with you. It's not going to be. Come against you. You lose your job. Something changes. What do you do? You position yourself. He says, stand on what he's given you. Take on the full armor. What armor? I've got to do the positioning. He does the fighting. Second Chronicles 20 verse 15. Go down. There will be a multitude, but get up, get out of your bed, and go down and position yourself. Where? To see him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. My faith is in him. It's his ability. It's his strength. I'll fail. I can have all the spiritual gym I can do. All the faith I can muster up. And then we get tired. And then our faith is determined by our physical strength. Got to tell you, I've had some of those days. We just feel like, I am so tired, I want to cry. I understand why children cry. I've been here once or twice this, and I'm driving back from a place, and I'm like, I feel like I want to cry. Like I can just sit here in this court. I'm so tired. So my strength, and then I feel very low on faith. But then I look to Jesus, and I realize in the Spirit... My faith is strong. My faith is high. My ability, because he chose me to be in his ability, in his strength. In the natural, is low. My faith is low. I, I don't have anything. I don't know. I can't see tomorrow. But I position myself. Like, whoa, Jesus. It's actually good. It's actually amazing. It's wonderful. Your strength. Your ability. That's why he then goes on to explain the armor. And he says, hey, put on the belt of truth. Put the belt on, otherwise your pants is going to fall down, man. You'll be exposed. What does truth do? It girds it up. Got to find truth in what he says. Where do I find truth? In the Word. What do I find truth? In the Word. Get in the Word. The truth's there. I find the truth. I'm set free from the lie. I know the Scripture. I know it's Ephesians. It says, being rooted, I think it's Ephesians 3, and grounded in love. How do I find that truth? By reading it. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. What did I do with last week's sermon? I apply it. With the week's sermon of today, I apply it today. What did I do with today's sermon? You apply it today. I've got to take it and I've got to apply it. Put some truth around my, grab my loins, get this tied down. Man. And then he says, put the breastplate of righteousness. What's the right? It's the breastplate. What does it show forth? The cross. What he did. His blood. His power. Not my ability. His ability. What did the enemy see? Sees the breastplate. He sees him. Shoes of the gospel. Of peace. You know, Nike has the saying, just do it. My gospel shoes says he did it. That's my Nike, my Nike shoe. He he did it, man. <laughs> Took it his knacks, man. Yeah, copyrighted two thousand years ago. When did it start? 
33 BC? I don't know. <laughs> Since 33 BC. <laughs> 30, no, 33 AD. No, when was it? Doesn't matter now. When he was 33 years old. The context is, he did it. Where is that? On my feet. What does Romans 16 says? And the God of peace. I got his shoes on, man. It's called the gospel. <laughs> we'll crush you. Satan, we're under my feet. The God of what? Peace. I can put some peace on when I walk. That's what he's trying to say. Put peace on when you walk. Walk in peace. Walk in the gospel of peace. That I have peace with him. And that nothing will separate me from his love. Paul says, I am convinced and persuaded of this. That nothing can separate me from his love. Whoo, man. The shield of faith. Whose faith? His faith. What blocks it? His faith. His ability. Look, my faith is weak. Your faith is strong. It's my shield. Like in the darts of the enemy come out. Like, uh-uh. No. Not today, Satan. <laughs> Woo! And what does he say? Stand. He doesn't say fight. He just stand. What's the word? What's the sword? Sword of the Spirit. I need the Spirit, man. That's how I cut. Where? From the words of the Spirit. Then what do I speak? I speak word. I don't speak what I see. I speak word. Based on what? That he did it. He chose me. What do I declare? He chose me. Forever it's fixed. My salvation is fixed. Nothing can separate me from His love. I'm grown up and mature in Him. And the more I know that, the more I grow. Peter said this this morning. He said the following words. I hope I quote you correctly. And you could tell me. The greater my God is, and the bigger my God is, the greater and bigger His work and His ability is in my life. Okay, well, say that again. Yeah, the, the, the greater God is to me, the greater His ability is in me. The greater He is. Greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world, right? So the context is, I've got to see Him great. How big's your God? Or if you've got a very big devil. Because we find the ability, when we look at the devil, he's big, he's wild, he's this. But he, God? How big's your God? He's great. He's immense. He's wonderful. This is, I want to just quickly read this as we finish off on, on six, and then I'm going to end. This is, yeah, um, above all, take the shield of faith, which is able to quench the first fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all, above all, take the shield. What's going to protect you? Faith. I believe it. I believe it. I believe. Let the weak say. Let the poor say. Let the blind say. Ha! That's the shield. You're blind. No. With the blind. I can see. I can see. I can see. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. That's the shield. I don't see it, but I see it. I don't see it, but I see it. I, I don't know how it's going to look next year, but I see it. It's going to be good. It's going to be the greatest decade we've ever seen before. God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. That's faith. That quenches the fiery darts. Then he says, yeah, 
take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end of the perseverance and the supplication of all the saints. And he goes on to talk about more of that. He says, where do you pray? Pray in the Spirit. Declare in the Spirit. Chapter 2 says we're seated. Chapter 6, we're standing. Wow, Lord, look. It says, above every principle. This principality, I missed that scripture. Let's go back there. Um, where is that now? Where did I read that? Verse 12. Ah, there we go. For you we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I want to say, we do not wrestle against racism. We do not wrestle against discrimination. We do not wrestle against political parties. We do not wrestle against corruption. We do not wrestle against the natural things. That's not my war. Where's my war? Against the principalities and the powers of this world. Listen to what he says here. He says, against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness and of the age, against the spiritual hosts and wickedness in heavenly places. He, He creates this big thing. But I want to tell you quickly, when the sun comes up in the morning, does it fight against darkness? The higher the sun rises the less there's darkness. The context of what he says here, he says, all principalities and powers, Colossians, I think it's Colossians 3, he has conquered all principalities and all powers. He disarmed them. He put them under your feet. So in the context of this, when we read that, we find, oh, all these demons in, in the places, we've got to go climb the highest mountain, and then we pray over these demons. I've heard people pray like that. I heard people like, ooh, Sean, you know, we've got a... As if the angel doesn't know where you stay. They're ministering angels. They know you're a son of God. They're always with you. It's like you've called them, hey! It's like they're having their own party in the corner. They forgot about you. Now that the angels say, hey, the angels are busy. Let's sneak in. Come on. Enemy comes in because your angels were partying and they were sleeping. And they even wake them up. Hey, Gabriel, come help me. Like he runs with his sword. I'm like thinking, what kind of stories are we thinking? It's made up by man because it's not the truth. Somehow we have to tell God that we're in a bad place. He knows we're in a bad place. He's given his angels. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. He's anointing. Greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. His angels are always with me. They're ministering angels. Their very thing is to serve you. I don't have to call them from somewhere. They're always with me. i got some big angels, man. Did you see him? Really cool. <laughs> the context of this is that we're in him. Nothing can separate us from his love. He's always with us. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. We're seated in heavenly places, in a place of rest. And when we rise, we rise in the position of the heavens, above all principalities and powers. That has already been conquered. 
So when we stand in who we are in Him, but if we don't know who we are, and our God's very small, we're always looking up at the enemy. But we haven't positioned ourselves to look at Jesus, to know our position. I want to tell you today, position yourself. Position, get around that thing. I remember Bob, uh, Bob Johnson was here, and his mother had just passed away. He was sharing how this thing was a massive thing in front of him. It was confronting him all the time because he said to God, God, you're a good God, and I don't see it. And then God says to him, what are you looking at? You're looking in time at a moment when I am outside of time, eternally good. The moment might not look like I'm good, but the very eternity of who I am is goodness all the way. And God said to him, get around your offense. Position yourself. I can't see. Then position yourself. Many of the times we're seated there and we're telling the person sitting in front of us or the situation, get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. And it's not moving. And we're getting offended like that little child. Maturity says, position yourself. Yeah, now I can see better. I can see you. I'm not looking at this junk that's in front of me right now. I'm seeing you. You're the author and finisher of my faith. You're my good God. I love you. I love you. I love you. And you chose me to be holy and blameless in your sight. Eternally connected to him. Position yourself. Look through and see. Does it make sense today? Let's end with the last scripture. Chapter 10. Oh, sorry. Chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. If you're at home this morning, I really want to encourage you this morning. Grab your Bible. Don't just be listening to me. Be intentional with what you're doing. Be intentional in how you're being part of the service and being part of what we're doing. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were created for what? Good works. Where? In Christ. Prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The good works was prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yeah, yeah, give me an amplifier. Yeah. Verse 10. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, Ooh. born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking part which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. How beautiful is that? That He predestined, and I will use this illustration, that He sat down at the table, put it all out and said, let's create. Let's look at the life of Sean. And then started forming all the good things and predestined so I should walk in them. That he chose me, 
that He chose you and your life, seeing everything that would be coming your way, and still laid it out, said, here it is. Now walk in it. Another part of Ephesians says, live the life worthy of the calling that you received before the foundation. Live the life worthy. I used to read that as like, if I'm not living, I need to live worthy of what God's calling is of my life. If I'm not doing it right, I'm not worthy of the call. That's not the truth. The scripture there is, live your life in the worth of the call that He called you before the foundation of earth. So it says, believe what He said. What do we read in Ephesians? One, before the foundation of earth, He chose you to be what? Holy and blameless in his sight. So he says, walk in that worth. Walk in your worth. Live in the worth of what he decided over you. What he chose over you. He chose you in love to be blameless in front of him. With great, what do you read? It was great joy. No, was it great joy? What was that word? Um, pleasure. Pleasure over your life. When he looked at you going, wow, wow, in every part of your life, wow. I am, um, some people might not, I'll end with a story. The Shack was a very controversial book and movie for many people. But for me, one of the greatest, amazing, amazing movie, an amazing book to read. I read the book about three or four times. I'm not going to go into the theology or the doctrine of that book, but the very context is, is that we, they call, the Bible calls Jesus the mother that through we are all given birth to. So in that very context, he calls him the, the birthplace because you're born through Christ. When God is the father, though it has the very Christ. So he's taken all of that away and who that is. So when people see, say, oh, we're calling God... Uh, um, Jesus is a word. It's a word based on that. But the context is, is that what that man needed in that moment was a mother figure, was the softness of a mom. Who of us have felt the softness of a mom with God? Come on, we've felt that. We've not experienced that. But there's a scene in the story where he walks into the room and God is listening to some hard rock music, some wild stuff. And these boys are going for it on there. And he walks in, and, he, and he's like, are you listening to that? And he's like, wow. And God switches the radio off. And goes like, wow, man, did you hear the beauty of those boys of mine? Some of you have been playing some really crazy stuff in your life. And have been all over the show. And all that God does is when he listens to you, he goes like, wow, do you hear my boy? Do you hear his heart? Do you I love you? Do you know how much I care? I chose you in love before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in my sight. When he looks at you, all he sees is someone pure and holy and blameless. I'm shouting it out today for to understand the position we live from so that we don't get messed up when the enemy comes in and says, you're not worthy. God's God's not going to do it. 
Come on, it's easy when it's a month or two, but when it's year after year after year and you still have not seen what God promised you and you trust and you trust and you trust, then the only thing you can stand on is the Word. The only thing you can hold on is God promised it. I'm going to see it. I might not see it tomorrow. I might not see it the day after, but I know He's good and I know He chose me. I'm holy and blameless in His sight. I've got the weapon on. So when the enemy comes in and throws the darts towards me, I stand up from the position that I'm seated in Him and go like, Hey! Hey, do you know who I am? That's the place we live from. I position myself. I feel it's a word for you today. I feel it's a word for you watching. Position yourself. Get out from amongst that place where you're stuck and you're looking at your circumstances. You're looking at the despair. You're looking at the offense. And God says, position yourself and see that I will, I will fight the war. Would you please stand with me? Talking about your call and your purpose. It's not happenstance that you are here because you think that you chose to get up this morning and come. That you chose to walk in through the door or that you even chose to be on this, on this channel right now and be on this page and look, looking at us live at this moment. You think it's your choice. It's not your choice. God's called you for this time and this purpose. His workmanship. You in the job, the place, the life, the church, the marriage, the place where God's called you to be. In this very moment, you're asking about purpose and destiny. And God says, this is the right time to ask that question because He's called His body to be the body right now. You're not in this church just to be in this church. You're here because God has a purpose for you here. The street you live in, the job you're at, the shop you go to, God's got a purpose for you there. He's got a purpose for you in this place. But you've got to be the one that positions yourself to say, Lord, I want to find that purpose. I want to see what that is that you've called me to do. I'm just going to be just here for the just being here. We're in a war. The enemy's out there and he's, God is saying, stand. It's time to stand. I will fight, but you've got to stand. Oh, Jesus. 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 Hmm. Are you just standing here today, Sean? I, I've never heard this kind of thing before. It's the first time I've ever heard this. I don't know what my purpose or my destiny is. I don't even know that God loved me that much. It starts simple. It starts with just saying, I believe. I believe you, Lord. I believe your spirit. I believe your call upon my life. 
and he will show the rest. Great God. Holy Spirit, lead people to position themselves to see. Reveal this word that there's so much more that you want to share it with people, Lord. I pray today that it will be life to everyone here. To be seated and standing in you. Sure. I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for a church that's rising up in a time such as this. Thank you for a church that's digging into the word to find more about you, to see how great you are. Thank you for a church that's driven by the spirit, that listens to the spirit, not to circumstance, that finds their identity in you. I thank you for that, Lord, today. Thank you for that, Lord, today. Pray it today, Lord. Holy Spirit, as people read Ephesians this week, I pray, Holy Spirit, break open the Word. Shine light. Reveal, Lord, to them. I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. I want to really encourage you, as I prayed, to go this week and just read the book of Ephesians. Just go to Ephesians. I saw it's six chapters. Man, it's, it's, it's a quick read. But read it every day. Read it over and over. Listen to it. Oh, Lord, reveal to me more. I want to see this. I want to hear what it is. Next week, I want to continue in Ephesians. I want to, I want to take it from a different angle. We're going to knock it all over the show because we've got to understand when we understand our position as being seated, it's very easy to stand. Because we know who we are in Him. It's easy to stand up against the enemy and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Because I know who my Father is. I know His choice. I know His love. I know that I'm seated in Him. There's nothing that can separate me from His love. I walk according to the call upon my life and it's easy to stand up. May that really come in your heart this week. Read it. Be blessed. Have a wonderful one. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about Kingdom Light Church and upcoming local and international events, please follow our Facebook page, Instagram account, or visit our website at www.kingdomlightchurch.co.za.